0: It's been an exhausting couple of weeks. I honestly don't think I've ever been this tired, and I have young children, one of which hasn't slept through the night in nearly three years. The rain didn't come in time, and after three straight days of digging, raking, and weeding, by hand, I realised the soil was too hard and I was going to run out of time to sow the barley. But that, that was when I discovered our allotment association's equivalent to Hogwarts Room of Requirement, the magical room that provided Harry Potter with what he needed in times of true desperation. I didn't come across magic wands or elves, or something far more exciting than that. a rotator. My name is Ben Richards and in partnership with There's a Beer for that, this is growing beer Hello. And welcome back to this, the fourth episode of Growing Beer. Uh, This time round, we are going to get an update on the state of the plot, the barley, and we're going to find out a bit more about water. Now, it has been a very, very long, very tiring month as April, whilst you guys were all probably putting your feet up in the back garden, on the beach, having a barbecue, I've been on my hands and knees working through the soil. And as the last four, five, maybe even six weeks of sun has carried on getting hotter and hotter, it's just completely baked the soil into concrete-like lumps. And, I mean, things really reached ahead when, after putting, I'd say probably three, maybe four, nine-hour days in the second week of April into the ground, and just getting nowhere, uh, things were starting to look really, really serious. But that is when I found out about rotavators. Now, for those of you who know about rotavators, have seen them, are not excited by them, I'm going to come across as a little bit of a simpleton, but I don't care. They are the most amazing thing I've ever used. I I always want to have a rotavator. What had taken me weeks to completely fail at, it chewed through in 30 minutes, spitting out fine, soft soil left, right and centre, whilst I clung to the back of it, being dragged along gleefully. It was amazing. And it's got my soil ready. So in the third week of April, I actually sowed the seed. Now that was of course where the equipment stopped. I haven't got any drilling equipment for putting the seed into the ground and covering it back over again. So I was broadcasting it. I measured out metre wide strips down the beds. I raked the soil out the way slightly. I scattered the seed into that sort of shallow trench and I raked it back over again. And I did that across the two beds. So probably about seven, eight trenches in one bed, four or five in the other. Now, while I was doing this, I was watching a tractor up on the field behind me and I don't know if he was turning the ground or he was sowing, but I could see a cloud. I would call it a cloud rather than a flock of birds, seagulls, crows, everything, hundreds and hundreds of them diving into the ground to get to whatever he was turning over or maybe putting into the soil. I don't know. And I thought, well, that coupled with the pheasants that regularly trot around like they own the place, I need to protect my precious little seeds. So I put up a frame around the beds and I put some anti-bird netting around it to stop them getting in. Because when I worked it out, I'm putting down about 30,000 seeds. And that might sound a lot, but all it takes is for a couple of birds to get in and then a few more. And I could lose quite a substantial amount of the seed on top of the soil. So we finally got the seed in and it's growing. It's not quite growing to plan, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, it's as I as I recall this. It's very late April now, so it's had a couple of weeks to start growing, but it is not coming up evenly. And I think it's a combination of the weather and me. I do remember Toby telling me quite clearly to make sure that I evenly tread in the uh, the barley seed, so that it gets an equal access to the moisture, gets compacted soil around it, and can draw that moisture up uh, and grow more quickly and evenly well mine is not coming up evenly and that has to be down to me i think i've got a few lines that are looking quite nice and green shoots starting to show and other areas that are very very sparse but i'm also going to blame the weather because where i've raked it in it's kind of it could be two inches three inches below the surface could be one inch could be sitting on top of the surface in some cases and being this clay soil i think the stuff that's at the bottom has got access to that water and is germinating but the stuff at the top is just sitting there so There's quite a large element, really, of trial and error and and hoping for the best with this. Uh, But it's early days. I'm I'm still hopeful that the barley is going to do well. I'm just really relieved it's in the ground, and that whole phase is now behind me. It's not just barley growing that I'm talking about this time as well. Of course, the hops. The hops are still there. And they are just great. Uh, They're not growing equally. It's still the case that a couple of them, the Goldings, are growing very slowly. But they are here now, uh, whilst the Fuggles and the Cascade are just off. They're almost as tall as me now. It's great. I I think they're growing about the rate of an inch a day when we get the sun, which is really quite impressive. Uh, Oh, I also had a phone call uh, from a very nice man called Wyndham Monk. He's a retired hop farmer who now lives on the other side of Exeter to me, uh, Dartmoor Way. And he gave me a call and said he would love to come out and give me a hand to give the hops the best chance of growing and keep an eye out, really, for things like disease and pest problems that I just won't be able to spot. So he came over, had a look over them. Um, he's he's honest, uh, but very nice. His his main feedback was that my structure is not appropriate. It's a bad idea to have all of the lines converging in one point and it will get me into a right mess later in the year. And uh, But things actually look quite good. There's no signs of any disease in the lower Uh, leaves and sections of the plants, and the ones that are growing well look really healthy. So that is good news. We have had a little bit of rain. We had a splash coming in uh, a few days ago, and there's meant to be a lot more coming in uh, at the start of May. I think it's next weekend for the bank holiday. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm wishing um, rain on your bank holiday plans, but I would love it to chuck down. I'd love the soil and the plants to get a real soaking. So with that rain coming in, it does seem appropriate to talk about ingredient number three. We've got one and two, the hops and the barley sorted. Now we are on to water. Now I know I need to collect it myself on the plot and if you're doing that, uh, I think there's only two options. You get it from the sky or you get it from the ground. I'm not digging wells or boreholes. I've got no river, stream or spring to rely on so I've got to get rainwater. Now I've nabbed an old water butt and some guttering from my father-in-law's place just across the allotments because he's doing it up and doesn't need them and I'm relying on Richard uh, our shed to collect it on the roof into the guttering and down into that water butt and it's really important that I get quite a lot of it because if I end up brewing oh I don't know maybe 50 75 100 litres of beer you'll need a quite a bit more than that so maybe 150 200 litres to make sure that I've got enough which is pretty much a full water butt which is why even though it's quite dry at the moment I'm getting it in now to catch any kind of rainfall that comes down and water is actually really important to the brew I mean there's the obvious point beers a liquid and needs of water to remain that way but water also plays a role in the flavour of the beer, even to the point where it's really influenced uh, British brewing history. You see, whether a brewer draws water from the main supply, a well or a spring, that water will contain various minerals and salts. It that determines whether we have soft or hard water, and depending on the various levels of these compounds, the water may be good for promoting hot bitterness or to get more or less colour from the malted barley. And because of this, different styles can benefit from different types of water. I mean, the famous British example is the growth of Burton-on-Trent in the early 19th century as a real hub of brewing. At the time, pale beers were becoming increasingly fashionable in London. But London is a city whose water is well suited for dark beers. It extracts a lot of colour. So, when Samuel Alsop tried brewing a pale, hoppy beer in Burton, they realised that it really suited the style, and it led to a wave of breweries setting up in the town. We now know that this is down to the high levels of sulphate, and these days it's fairly easy for brewers to adjust their incoming water to to suit their needs by simply adding salts or, or gypsum. But different water led to various places like Burton, London or Pilsen becoming absolutely synonymous with now famous styles of beer. You see, if I were making this in a brewery as a commercial brewer, I'd adjust the pH and I'd add the salts needed to suit the style, and it would also improve the efficiency of a few of the stages in the brew as well. But I'm not in a brewery. I can't just buy in something to add to the water. It has to originate from the allotment. You remember one of the early rules? So because of that, I'll be using the rainwater. And as I have no choice, it is quite likely that it'll be very soft, which will affect the beer. So to get an idea of what impact rainwater would have on my beer, I had to look around for a local brewery that might use rainwater, and I couldn't find any. I looked further afield, sort of regional, even national. I still couldn't find anyone. Doesn't mean they're not out there, just means I couldn't find them. But I did find one in Amsterdam, the De Prouw Brewery. They are right in the centre of the city, in the old part of the town, and there's a man called Joris Huber, and he runs Hemmelsvater, which is a city-wide project to prevent rainwater and surface runoff getting into the sewers. So they're trying to find ways to reuse this, and he is making beer with the water he's collecting all over the city. So I hopped in the car with my friend Toby, and we went on a bit of a road trip. Joris, thank you very much for talking to me. It's uh, we're in the garden centre at the moment, where yeah. you are collecting the rainwater that is then taken to Duplau, which is then brewing the Code Blonde Helmersvatter yep. Project beer. Yeah, why and how are you using <laughs> rainwater?
1: <laughs> well, it started when I was brewing my own beer, just uh, as a as a amateur brewer in the in the kitchen, and. Um, I noticed that you use a lot of uh, water like uh, drinking just tap water and uh, at the same time I was uh, working on a project uh, for a comp- for for an NGO called uh, Amsterdam Rainproof and they um their their goal their mission is to uh, make people aware of the problem of uh, heavy rainfall and downpours in the city so while working on this uh, uh, awareness project and brewing the beer, where you need a lot of water, just a Saturday in in March uh, last year, uh, it was raining uh, as as today, and um, I was I, I j- just combined the two, and uh, a really brilliant solution for the awareness problem. I was also looking for a, for a nice story for my for my own beer. So yeah, um, it's a really good good story. How do you actually collect the rainwater? The first initial idea was to um, collect it in the city because the city uh, faces this problem of this uh, heavy rainfall. But practically that didn't really work out, so uh, uh, we're still in, in kind of a pilot phase. And, and then we heard about this garden center where we are uh, right now, the Intertain uh, in, in Amsterdam. They They are also partner of this Amsterdam Rainproof Program. And the nice thing we heard is that they... Also collect uh, their rainwater and and give it to the flowers inside, and they have uh, like a huge uh, roof, uh, glass roof as well. So it's it's pretty uh, uh, pretty clean uh, rainwater as well, wow. and they co- collect like uh, up to uh, 60, uh, uh, I think 60 tons, or I'm not sure, 60,000 liters of uh, like of uh, rainwater. Uh, so we have a uh, like an endless uh, stream <laughs> of rainwater here. Yeah, yeah.
0: so it's collected in basically in really
1: big tanks straight off the roof how do you then get that from here over to the brewery well the 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 first time we uh, we started this project uh, we pushed it so uh, <laughs> by hand yeah by hand yeah, yeah. four guys pushing uh thousand liters of, uh, <laughs> of rainwater down uh, down the road and um uh, well, that that was a nice uh, like a nice uh, workout <laughs> and a nice uh, stunt <laughs> as well, but it wasn't really a, 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 a sustainable solution. So uh, we talked to the guys here at uh, at the ten and uh, and they offered to bring it to the to the brewery. Uh, so they they bring it like every twice every month they bring it into the brewery, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, they pump it into the system of the of the brewery, mm-hmm. and. I mean, we're we're also very uh, working hard on the sustainable part. So next month we're we're buying a electric fan, yeah. uh, uh, electric car, and and it will uh, carry 450 liters. So it has to drive like two or three times uh, to mm-hmm. fill one uh, one uh, yeah. uh, brew tank. Yeah
0: once you got the water do you filter it on site or at the brewery what do you do? or do you just use rainwater just put it straight into the process
1: also the first time i i started brewing i just put some some uh, buckets and uh, and uh, like this baby bath up uh, on my balcony to 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 catch the water and to and and just use it immediately but we were kind of concerned about the the health risk, so uh, we uh, uh, and, and and I mean there are a lot of myths about rainwater being uh, dirty and stuff, and and basically it is sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we we use a, a, a filter system, and and it it may it there are like three filters. Like um, the first filter just filters out all the 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 rubble and the algaes. and then the second one is filtering all uh, all the the, the heavy metals. Mm-hmm. It's a, an active carbon filter and then we have a, the last filter that, that's a membrane filter and it filters out all the bacteria and uh, uh, small particles.
0: Okay, that sounds fairly complex. I was hoping you'd say, no, just use rainwater, it's fine because <laughs> I've got <laughs> well to sort this out as well.
1: <laughs> <coughs> if I were you, I, w- I, w- I would just build an installation and just use the rainwater. So when we did some research, then we found that in the in the middle ages and oh well well long before we were here the the uh, uh brewers were actually uh setting up their uh, their brewery next to uh, uh cathedrals or churches to to collect all the all the water from their um from their rooftops and yeah. they paid like a small fee for the for the installation and stuff yeah. so it's been done before <laughs> yeah but we uh we just uh, t- took an old idea and uh yeah and uh, did it again. Did it again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> this is where Joris took us
0: out on a tour of the city, which was lovely. And uh, We did wonder when he said that we should meet him at the garden centre to bring bicycles with us. So we hired some, except that we hired the old, uh, well, the traditional Dutch style. We don't have handlebar brakes, which, which for someone who's grown up just with you know, mountain bikes in the UK is quite an awkward concept to get your head around. Uh, even more so when it is appropriately hammering it down with rain. It's about 50-mile-an-hour wind coming in sideways, and I'm trying to weave in and out of the Dutch rush-hour traffic, which is all bikes. Uh, Now, Jaros, I think he hung back a little bit for us, but uh, he's a seasoned pro on a bike around the city, and we really struggled to keep up. But we did, and that's when Jaros showed us how they actually make the beer and what they do with the water once they've got it there. Okay, so we have just taken the same route that you pushed the water down on one of the first collection points. Yeah. Um, on the Dutch backward pedaling <laughs> brakes, which I nearly came off several times following <laughs> it behind you on the route. Uh, so once the water comes to the brewery, does anything different have to be done to the water than just normal tap? water being used
1: no we, 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 we test the pH but we don't treat it with uh, minerals or with uh, with other stuff
0: so it's just, it's just as it has gone through the filters back at the site yeah. and straight into the brewing process yeah
1: but it's, it's it's still something we I mean if you if you read about using rainwater you, you, there are uh, stories about uh, certain beers not working with um, mm-hmm. uh, with rainwater. So far, we have made two beer types, and they work pretty pretty well. So, so which styles did you choose for the rainwater? Uh, now we have a um, a blonde beer. Um, so it's a, a bitter blonde. It's mm-hmm. a, of the, the 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 normal recipe is the bitter blonde. Yeah, uh, and we use that recipe because it's the most popular here in the, in the at the Prow. And in a cooperation with, a, with another brewery in uh, Den Helder, we were gonna make a Pilsner, so... And, and that worked as well, the, the first test. So. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: so why did you use the Prow? What was it about this brewery um, that,
1: that, that worked? Well, the, it's a really nice uh, brewery in the city center of Amsterdam. Um, they're one of the fastest growing uh, craft uh, brewers in, uh, in Holland. And uh, I picked them because uh, there was only one 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 brewery I could pick because <laughs> they have a really nice story. They uh, uh, fourteen years ago the, the two founders they worked in uh, in a psychiatric hospital and they started brewing beer in the in the kitchen yeah. and uh, giving it to the the employees and the and the and the patients. And they then it got so successful that they thought, well, why not? work with these people, these uh, patients, and brew beer, so that, that became their business model. So uh, here at, the, at this location, their the first location, they, um, there are like 100, uh, 120 people working and they are um, reintegrating into society and, and becoming or a brewer or uh, working in the restaurant or in the shop or uh, just filling the beers here.
0: So it's a social exercise as much as yeah. just a brewing one.
1: Yes, yeah. So they think beer and people are the most important thing. So, yeah, for us that was like a social and sustainable company or initiative. We we really uh, wanted to work with them, and um, they're also very uh, they they passionate. they they're very passionate uh, about beer and uh, and also about experiments. So. Uh, yeah. They do a lot of uh, crazy stuff here in the, in the, in the brewery. Well,
0: they've got a really lovely spot just stepping off of the old canal into the little doorway yeah, tucked away on the side. Yeah, which w-
1: used to be the beer key. Uh, uh, so the, the canal was used to transport beer and, and fresh water. Yeah.
0: So imagine you are in my shoes and you're in a rather rainy but picturesque spot in southwest England. What are the top things that you would or wouldn't be doing to brew with rainwater
1: well it, I, I would do a test that's something we we learned um, while doing this this project that the uh, our, our rain water is also coming from the from the North Sea coast and it's a, a bit salty uh, if you compare it to like if you go into into the, the country into the to the east of the of uh, the Netherlands so the water will have a different taste. Mm-hmm.
0: So get it tested so I can get an idea of what, what is going to come with that. With that yeah, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe that's... Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're next to uh, any uh, factories or uh, mines, are you? Or no, no, not at no. all.
0: No, we're quite it's, it's near the coast, not much industry.
1: Uh, then, then, then you probably have the, the best rainwater in the world. Oh, so. I, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I like your optimism. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So we're looking at the, the no. logos and the names for the blonde. And there is a bar right next door that I assume serves Code Blonde.
1: I hope so, yeah. We go because it's it's so popular that, that it's it, it's off the taps uh, once in a while. So, okay. uh, but we're gonna try to have one, yeah. Should we go and find out? Yeah, we we will. Sounds Thank.
0: good. Cool. So we're in the bar next door. We now have a glass siege of the Hemel's Water Code Blonde. Um, well, so firstly, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, why Code Blonde?
1: Uh, well, Code Blonde, we, we, we use um, codes for uh, for bad weather. So uh, Code Red is really bad and Code Green is okay. Uh, so this is like a hint to uh, to the system.
0: Yeah, and it is uh, a classic blonde recipe uh, that is the De Prao bitter blonde, but using the rainwater instead. What's different then? What have you noticed in, in the beer from the standard one?
1: Well, I noticed that that most people... Like the 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 rainwater version, so the Cote blonde better. And personally, I think it's a much smoother um, drinking sensation. So that's that's the main um, a main difference. And I, I I mean I I think it's because a rain it's kind of a distilled water, so um, there's no chalk in there and, uh, yeah. and less minerals. Uh, I also noticed that it's 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 very light on the foam. So um, and that's a problem here in Holland. And in isn't Holland, it? that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. because we like. Uh, Fists of foam. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like uh, two fingers of foam. Yeah, and that yeah,
0: yeah. It still tastes really good to me. It, it, it's light and soft. I don't know if it's my uh, my preconception of rainwater that makes me think it's a little bit softer, a little bit lighter. Uh, but I think this is uh, really good. Cheers. Cheers.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, good luck with your project. Eh? <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much.
0: Yeah. So. There we have it. I need to collect the rain, filter it, and then just use it in the place of mains water. Depending on how acidic or alkaline it is, will likely have an impact on the efficiency of the brewing process, as getting the most sugar from the malted barley requires a certain level of pH, and it will probably change the flavour slightly. But, being a little bit optimistic, slash naive, it does look like some large containers and a filter might be all that I need. Sorted! I have already followed one of Yoros' pieces of advice, though, and that is to get the water tested. So when we had a little bit of rain, I collected just about my get 100 millilitres, sent it off to Murphy & Sons, who provide a variety of treatments for, uh, for brewing, and they also test water. And it came back rather predictably with a very, very distinct lack of calcium carbonate, and that's what we get from, say, limestone or chalk, rock areas and most of our tap water has it to some extent is what makes it hard or soft and i have practically none so that will have an effect on the flavor of the beer of the style of beer that we should be brewing and it will have an effect on how efficient i can be in the brewing process also the post office now think i'm a right weirdo Every time they ask me for security purposes what it is that is I'm sending in the parcel and I tell them it's three gram bags of soil for testing or it's exactly 100 millilitres of rainwater, they just give me an increasingly funny look. Once those tests came back though, I did think to myself, is there a way that I can change the water that I'm going to use? I can't buy anything in, like I mentioned earlier on, but I can use something on the site if I can find it. So I went scouring around trying to find all the rocks and the stones, because if any of those are either chalk or limestone, in theory, maybe not practically, but in theory, they could be ground down and added to the rainwater to make it a more typical brewing liquor. However, after finding a friend of a friend who is a geologist and giving him a large bag of rocks, they broke them up, had a look, but they all came back as flint, which is absolutely no good whatsoever. So I just don't think I've got what I need to do that on this site. I'm going to have to accept the water that we have, accept that that might limit the styles and affect the flavour slightly, but that's what we're going to go with. That's the water we have. So this month we have finally got the barley in, we've got the hops doing really well, shooting up the binds, and I've figured out that hopefully it is going to be as simple as I thought it might be to use water. Next week I'm going to look into the yeast though. It's the area that I still, even four months in, have little idea of what we're going to do, but I think I might have found somebody to help me. Anyway, thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time. Goodbye.